You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And don't forget, Todd's got a little Facebook chat up there going on in real time. If you have your commentary, you would like to provide as the show is going on. A lot going on here on the show today. Some Theology Thursday coming up in the next hour. Later in this hour, what is anti-Semitism? What what is political disagreement with Israel, and what is anti-Semitism? I got into this conversation with Heather Timmons, who was just on our show earlier this week, uh, representing sort of the liberal media viewpoint on immigration. She took issue with how I was characterizing a newly elected Democrat member of Congress's views on uh, the nation of Israel. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the hour. But first, we begin with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by It Happened Again. A shooter burst into a packed Southern California bar in the middle of the night and opened fire, killing 12 people, including a police officer, and wounding 10 others. The suspect is identified as a former military member with PTSD. The motive is still being determined. Jeff Sessions submitted his resignation at the request of President Trump yesterday. Matt Whitaker, who had been serving as Sessions' chief of staff, will step in as interim attorney general. Whitaker is seen as an ally of Donald Trump. One of Whitaker's first moves was to replace Rod Rosenstein's role in overseeing the Mueller investigation of supposed ties between Russia and Trump's campaign in the 2016 election. The mob somehow found Tucker Carlson's home address. Reporter from the Daily Caller added, Protesters did not merely gather and shout outside Tucker Carlson's home. They broke his oak front door while his wife was home alone. She locked herself inside the pantry and called 911 because she feared a home invasion. 
Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg took a bad fall in her offices at the high court yesterday evening. She fractured three ribs. She's currently recovering in a hospital. As noted during yesterday's montage, much has been made about the supposed Senate popular vote. So here's Adam Radman from the organization called Tax Reformer with the Knowledge Bomb. GOP has full control of legislative and executive branches in 23 states. Dems have full control in just 14 states. Population of states where GOP has full control of legislative and executive branch, 136.8 million. Population of states where Dems have full control, 104.4 million. Jim Acosta, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I wanted to challenge you on, on one of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if let's you don't go, mind, Mr. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. Uh, why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because and, I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants in not this election no, to try to want keep... Them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need right. the people. Your you know, campaign... Wait, your campaign. Wait, wait. You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. But your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It poor, it, but they it, weren't actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These, were, these were people. This was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago. And, uh, They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let would me be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question. Mr. President, if I may, if I may uh, ask Peter, one other ahead. question. Are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's Mr. enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. President, that's enough. Mr. President, I had one other question. If I may ask on the Russia investigation, are you concerned that that you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may have Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. Well, um... I think we could do an entire show on just the implications of what is in his rundown. Um, I don't even know where to start. Let, let, let's, let, let's go ahead and just get the Acosta thing out of the way. All right. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into the, uh, the video and, 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 and the, did he, what did he do to a white house intern? I'm just, that to me, Although I, I I think it's funny whether you think the video is real or not. We at the very least have more evidence that Jim Acosta assaulted a woman than we ever did a Brett Kavanaugh. And then watching my replies when I put that out there, <laughs> yeah, as that. all of you that just didn't get it only just <laughs> completely reinforced the point of my statement when I put that out there. As uh, as Animal used to say on uh, on the A team, I, I I love it. I love it when a plan comes together. All right, but the substance of of this exchange, number one. Why is it his job to challenge the president? The framing of the question, 
the framing of his original question. Why? If your mindset is, to me, I've been a reporter. You've been one? Yeah. yeah. Been a, I've, I've worked in newsrooms, had bylines. I, I, I wouldn't have viewed it. Now, in fairness, there was a sports reporter. You worked as a news reporter. I didn't. I worked as a sports reporter. But if I walked into a locker room covering a team after a game, and I said to the coach, Coach, I want to challenge your decision to go for it or not go for it on fourth down. What, what posture would I immediately put this coach at in this exchange, do you think? Would, 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 would he feel as if I'm interviewing him or would he be on the defensive? What well, would you be? It looks like he's not really interested yeah. in my answer. No, I'm interested in giving him, telling him why my opinion of the situation is superior to his. Which I'm welcome to have that opinion, but is that my job? Is my job right then and there to have that opinion? Well, I don't know. That's isn't that really the question we're asking? This is something while while the sensationalistic aspects of this are all being whacked out and blown out of proportion, because we just do this every day in our country now. the The substance of this exchange is being lost. The idea that you would frame your original question as "I want to challenge you," why? Are you a candidate? Are you running for office? The only way, here's the problem. It's a little bit like those of you who are on my Twitter feed and you still want to believe Brett Kavanaugh is a rapist. You don't believe that. You don't. Because if you did believe it, you'd get off of Twitter and start calling local authorities there in Georgetown demanding that they take a known rapist off the streets. What would you do if you really believed there was a rapist marauding uh, through the countryside, would you would you guys get on Twitter? Or call the call the five zero. Aaron, quick poll: five zero or Twitter? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, five zero. Five zero. What do you think, Todd? We call the five zero. We call on Twitter. Wow, well, Twitter these days. There's, you, you, really are you taking pouring, care of our problems? Are you Steve? pouring one out for your dead homies? You calling the cops, Todd? What I are you doing? Going with the cops. Yeah, I'm not pouring one out. Calling the cops. You don't believe that, you know? You just don't. If because if, if you if you believe that by your by your own admission, a rape enabler. So uh, you, you guys love your binary choices. Let me give you one. You're full of poop or you're a rape enabler. Which one? You have your binary choice. Which one do you want? You, you don't believe Brett Kavanaugh's a rapist, you know, okay? Because if you did, you get off Twitter and call the 5-0. That's what you do. Secondly, the only way Jim Acosta is at the beginning of this exchange, not completely and totally a hack, is if you operate under the assumption, if you grant the premise He's not a journalist, but an activist. If you see, watch that entire clip again, but under, everybody comes in with the, with the accepted knowledge, Jim Acosta is a partisan activist for the other side. If Jim Acosta was a partisan activist for the other side, that exchange is actually fairly respectful. They, they have total disagreements, but nobody's calling anybody a name. It's nobody's screaming and yelling. You know what I'm saying? If we saw that, in, if Jim Acosta was the candidate opposite Donald Trump and it was a debate on a stage and they had that back and forth over the migrant caravan, would there be calls of this is uncivil? This is, uh, we just can't treat each other. Would we feel that way if it was in that form? Would you feel that way? Well, even though that might be a bad debate, that is actually something resembling an actual yes. debate. So pick one. He's a partisan activist or he's a, or he's not, or he's a journalist. If he's a partisan activist, I don't really have a problem with his behavior yesterday. I don't. But see, the problem is the media wants to have this both ways. 
They want to behave as part as an activist and then claim some high ground of paragon of virtue. And this is why they are alienating wide swaths of Americans on a daily basis. Because it's, it's bunk. It's as horse-pucky as your claims that Brett Kavanaugh is a racist on Twitter, but you don't call the cops on him. You don't believe that. And you don't really believe Roy Moore is a pedophile. Because if you did, Alabama, I, I think, I think you, in Alabama, if you sexually assault a child, they can actually do you like the Catholic Church did John Wycliffe. I think they can actually burn you at the stake, dig up your remains, and burn you again. Is that a law in Alabama? I believe someone let me know, but I'm pretty confident that... In fact, you might even be able to do that as a private citizen to sex offenders in a place like Alabama. They might allow citizen executions for, for pedophiles in Alabama. You really don't believe Roy Moore is a pedophile. Because if you did, you'd be all over the Gadsden authorities demanding, why are we letting this guy who terrorized the previous generation's women at the local mall, why are we let him, letting him ride his horse around town? Why are we doing that? You don't really believe that. You don't. You don't. Because if you did, you'd call the cops. And if you really believe Brett Kavanaugh was a rapist, You'd call the cops. You don't believe that. You don't. So then don't ask me to believe Jim Acosta is not a partisan activist. Just don't. You know, we would all get along together, no matter how much we fundamentally agreed, if we just stopped lying to each other. You know what I'm saying? That's the part people can't stand, is when you pee on me and you tell me it's raining. That's what I don't like. Just be honest. You're a David French Republican and you never liked Roy Moore and you don't want him to be a senator. Okay, then do whatever you can to defeat him other than lie. And I don't have a problem with it. I'll oppose you, but it won't be personal. You're a Democrat. You don't want Brett Kavanaugh on the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, then let's just keep this is see, this is where we're losing our culture. This is where we can't commune together anymore. The lie the lie just tell me we're a partisan information outlet known as cnn and if you just said that wouldn't you feel like a lot of the air would just get out would leave the wouldn't wouldn't you just feel like the tension all right let's go about our business it's the it's the it's the holding out on the obvious lie i I think this this happens with my children when I know that I, when when I've caught them and they know that I've caught them, have you experienced this as a dad, Todd? I have, and it's not even that what they did you don't like what they did, and it probably requires some form of discipline. But it didn't get your ire, did it? It didn't. You you didn't feel the temptation to overreact as a dad. You didn't. Hit, you didn't. That the, the the heart rate didn't didn't start escalating until they insulted your intelligence, till they treated you like you were a schmuck, till they acted like. This is a banana. See where I'm going with this? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Just stop stop lying to us. You know, I'll give Fox credit for this. And I've had plenty of criticisms of Fox over the last few years. You guys have sat here while I've aired them. But God bless him for getting rid of We Report, You Decide. I like it. Because they haven't been doing that for the last few years. It's Team GOP television, guys. With a couple token progressives thrown in that are essentially foils and Shepard Smith's like their intersectionality, you know, uh, uh, pass at midday. And then other than that, it's whoever the face of the Republican party that is mainstream at the time television. 
like after the Iowa caucuses when Marco Rubio had the greatest third place finish in the history of intergalactic competitions, right? Because mm -hmm. he was the face of the mainstream Republican Party at the time. And then once Donald Trump became the face of the mainstream Republican Party, Fox is largely a, pro, a promotional vehicle for Trump. And you know what? In an acknowledgement of that, they dropped the we report, you decide sanctimony. Because we could all watch. Have you noticed I don't really criticize Fox as much as I used to? Have you noticed that the last few months? Do you guys know why that is? Because they stopped peeing in my face and tell me it was raining. They just said, guys, we're Trump TV, man. That's what we do here. All right. Just like when I tell you in the audience, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, um, and I have these principles, and when I give you an analysis, you should factor that in. As you, handy, as you handicap, like a golfer has a handicap on a golf course, as you put a handicap on my analysis, on its, on its objective, objectivity level, factor my biases in. And then you make the decision of how much my biases are, are properly or improperly you know, blinding my take on things. I, got a lot of I, I love the fact Fox just said, yeah, we're going to drop the whole re-report you decide thing. We're not doing that anymore. Let's just stop lying to people. We're Trump TV. Okay. I, got, I, I don't have a problem. I, I really, I'm a capitalist. If there's a market for Trump TV, God bless you. Create some jobs, give some families some health care. I got a couple employees. I'm paying for your health care, so I know how damn expensive it is. So you know what I mean? I got, if you just want to be DNC TV, God bless you. There's a market for it, man. Great. Don't freaking lie to me, though. That's the part. My kids will tell you. The, the only time they're really ever afraid of the old man. I don't, I mean, not the kind of fear like, crap, I'm going to get busted because I, I, I did something. I mean, like, hide your kids, hide your wife, bed intruder, afraid of the old man. Like, I got to change my pants. Is when they lie to me. When they treat me like a schmuck. In my own home. That I provide for them. I pay all these bills. I give them everything they want. That I can afford. Do not repay me by playing me for a schmuck. That's the ultimate disrespect. And that's when the kids know the old man is pissed. That's what these media networks are doing to us right now. Just be honest. It won't change your viewership at all. It won't change your ad rates because we're not watching it anyway. And we're not going, we're not, we're not patronize, patronizing the, the, the ads that are in the Today Show anyway. Like how many people do you think, how many women do you think got up this morning, read Michelle Malkin's blog, and then said, you know, I wonder what's on the Today Show. Give me a number. What do you think it is? Two? <laughs> I'm going to put the over under Aaron at nine. Out of, out of 200 million American women, I'm going to put the over under at nine. Nine out of 200 million. How many got up this morning, read Michelle Malkin's blog, and then said, man, I wonder what Kelly and Rhoda are talking about. Nine, go. Um, I would say it's prob that, that's probably too much by about nine. Yeah, yeah. It's a low number, guys. If I can put money on it, I'm going with the under to such an extent that I, I'm quitting this job right now and I'm moving because <laughs> I'm just a millionaire. That's my point. You, you, they wouldn't lose any money. They wouldn't, they wouldn't lose any viewership. But they gain some respect at the very least is an opening step they, they take the bile, uh, some of the bile away. 
and the kind of stuff where guys are sending pipe bombs to 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 media critical of Trump and and then we've got you know what happened at Tucker Carlson's house last night maybe some of that stuff would get diffused if we just told each other the truth i'm a steve i'm a democrat i put this on my facebook wall on election day just be honest i'm a democrat i want the democrats to win and there's really nothing you can do to persuade me okay then go vote for the democrat Instead of, but, but stop reverse engineering easily debunked outcomes. Like, I'm really tired of Trump's insults against American institutions, so let me vote for the political party that tried to skip past that whole innocent until proven guilty thing by destroying a man's life on national television. That's complete and total BS, and let's just be honest about it. It's BS. We're all consenting adults here. There's no need to lie. No need. No need to feign and, and signal virtue when none really exist and it's just all self-interest. You did the math. It's within your self-interest to act and behave thusly. You don't need to justify it to me. It's really none of my business unless you make it my business. Stop lying to us. Don't tell us Jim Acosta is a journalist. He's not. He's a partisan activist. Because if he were a journalist... That behavior yesterday is disgraceful, beginning with the premise of his question. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the President of the United States is extraordinarily restrained, I thought, in that exchange. He just said, we have a difference of opinion, and Acosta said, no, you're just wrong. Has Jim Acosta, I I don't know, I don't watch CNN like most Americans, but I mean, has he visited the migrant caravan? Does he know some, does he know, has he he done the, the background checks on these people? I mean, does he have the forensic data? Does he have the DNA or or fingerprint evidence? I mean, does he have better intel than the president of the United States does? I, I, would you presume a reporter at the, at the CNN would have better? I mean, and let's also be honest. Does Donald Trump lie? <laughs> no. All right, let's, come on. Uh, I don't know. Is, well, our previous Pope's Catholic, we're still debating the current one. All right. We're the previous couple of Pope's Catholic. Does Donald Trump lie? Does a bear defecate in a wood making yes. a sound? I don't know. It's, you know and, and that doesn't mean, by the way, he cannot challenge the assumptions of our elected officials. I think we actually want a fourth estate that does that, right? But when you begin from the premise, I want to challenge, who the hell are you? Why you? Who anointed you the challenger? Who do you represent? If you want to say, Mr. President, could, uh, we, could I, can I get some clarification on a few things? This, this goes to the point about don't lie to me. Steve, why would they ever give up the lie if the lie is the thing they like the most? Well, they're the only ones that like it then. That, this is, that, that, well, what, you, what, you just descri- what you just described is cultic behavior to the core. It, it is, it's, it's actually, cults have several things in common. Here's one of the, here's, here's every cult, religious cult, any kind of cult. All, all have this in common. The people that they claim to be serving the most with their lie are always the most damaged and broken by it every time. Yep. Every single time. The credibility of American journalism would soar if they just admitted that this is a lie. But they have, and they have every incentive to, they have every financial incentive to do it, every credibility incentive to do it, every good neighbor incentive to do it. The only reason you wouldn't do it is because within the compound is what you just described. Within the compound the lie is what is why we're in the compound. We, we came here for the lie. Yes. We came here to serve the lie. And all who looked upon the beast marveled at it. That's what you're describing. Yeah. And I'm certain of it. And that's, then there's no reasoning with that. Nope. There, there's, 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 you can't, I, I can't, 
have a debate with Hale Bob. I, I can't convince Jim Jones he's wrong. And, I, I can't. And this is a message that that a guy like Donald Trump desperately needs to hear. And it was almost, dare I say it, um, potentially providential just minutes after Donald Trump just soils himself by throwing out the names of Mia Love and others who didn't bow before him. He is thrust before him, the real challenger, the real usurper, Mm -hmm. the the press. Those are the liars. You spend your time doing that to Mia Love, you deserve what you get, Donald Trump. But here you get a chance to look a, a real liar, a real usurper in the eye. And you know what you called restraint? I called a man befuddled. He honestly did not know what to do with it, you, and it, which is strange because he's mastered doing it. But in that moment, almost like uh, the press has decided, okay, we've been getting our teeth kicked in for a while, but we're doubling down. Mm-hmm. We're coming back at you. Uh, Donald Trump needs to understand the nature of the lie he's dealing with. I think he's been fun in games, Donald, for a long time. I'm not sure he's capable of doing what I'm asking him to do. And I'm not asking to do it because I'm really a fan of him or the Republican Party. I want to hand my country off uh, to uh, four daughters who I don't have to sit around worrying about well into my old age, all right? And the press is not going to allow me to do that. Yeah. Um, This is... This goes to the heart of the entire political dynamic and the way it's going to be possibly for the next six years. Uh, and, and when I say political dynamic, I think maybe uh, rhetorical cultural dynamic right now. You have one side of – you have two sides of people who are deeply flawed in many, many different ways. On, the, on one side though, on the left, it seems like they are again living in a completely different existence and a completely different astral plane – than the not left or what's left of America. And Donald Trump, again, in that exchange, you, you heard that. He just calmly said, you know, we, we have a difference of opinion. And, and Jim Acosta would not take no or yes for an answer. It is my way, the highway. Mm-hmm. Screw all of the rest of y'all. It's my job uh, because I'm uh, some, I mean, in addition to just the, 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 the self-righteousness that we see on display, ad nauseum every day from the media, um, he really thinks that it's. Uh, he really thinks that he is right and the president is wrong, and I'm. I'm going to catch him. Dang it! Um, that's what we see every day from the left in this culture. It is their way or the highway. They are at war with you, and not to to, to switch gears too quickly. But that mob in front of T- Tucker Carlson's house. That is. That's another example of this. And Matt Iglesias, Todd, and I were talking about that before the show. He's a he's a, a pretty well known uh, media figure on the left. He says, I, I, can't, I, I can't sympathize with Tucker Carlson's wife. I mean, she's, she's married to somebody who en- enables uh, racists and yada, da, 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 da. This is not a country that is peacefully coexisting with one another. This is a country that is at war with one another. It's just one side is honest about it. And I think you know which side that is. It's the, it's, it's the left. The not left in America are just trying to live their lives. The left has declared war on you. The progressives have declared war on you, and they're fine with it. And they're fine with attacking you. They are totally cool with that. They are down to clown. And yes, a lot of people decried the the, the situation with Tucker Carlson at his house as well. 
but there are some coming out, Todd, as well. You, you've seen this, and you've been keeping track of this, and I'm sure you have as well, Steve. There are some who are like, yeah, I'm, whatever. I mean, he kind of kind of deserves that. Jennifer Rubin, while de- decrying uh, Tucker Carlson. She's the Washington Post fake Washington conservative. Post fake yeah. conservative said um, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders should get no such quarter when she's out. She said, you know, don't do that to Tucker Carlson. But when, when she's Sarah Huckabee Sanders, these people have declared war on you. It is either going to mean our destruction or it means us waking up. So far, us, meaning the not left, don't think we've woken up to that fact yet. You know, I'm listening to you guys talk here, and I have a, this is, wasn't on their original rundown, but I, I have a dilemma on the basis of where this conversation has gone. And the dilemma I have, and, and I probably don't have time to get your answer looking at the show clock. We're going to have to probably, and which might be good. So you guys have some time to think about it, okay? The dilemma I have is I'm supposed to do a hit on MSNBC in about two hours as an election postmortem. And I have, I have probably done as many of these kinds of hits with liberal media as any conservative media figure with any following whatsoever the last seven or eight years. And with a few exceptions, like when I walked off on HLN a few months ago, I've been treated fairly respectfully and, re- and am happy to return that favor, that whole love your neighbor as you love yourself thing. But I'm asking myself right now listening to this, should I just cancel this hit? Because the people there may hate me. I don't know. I'm never going to hate them enough, though, to want to. I just don't want to. If, if, if you're telling me we can't have a conversation, then while it would benefit my career to have a viral moment, I'm just, I'm just not interested in that. If you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I, don't, I, I just can't dislike people that much. Let's think about this when we come back here. Live on the Blaze, on demand, CRTV. All right, back here live on the Blaze, on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. You know, yesterday we had this heated debate over whether November really means Christmas time or not. But if you go to the mall, is, what's it going to look like if you go to the mall right now, Todd? Uh, it's going to look like Christmas time. It's going to look a lot like Christmas. It's about 31 degrees outside in Des Moines right now. Kind of even smells a little wintry, right? Smells wintry? Okay, what are you know, winter kind of has that about? kind of smell. You what? know what I'm talking about? I don't like getting manipulated, but you may be a different story. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> so Christmas shopping season is officially here. And Aaron, I, I, I think I might know what you want for Christmas. And they're also yeah. one of our new partners here on the show, iTarget Pro. Yeah, that is uh, that is correct. And uh, I know a lot of our audience as well. I know this. Uh, a lot of our audience, uh, really big firearms, uh, can we say nuts? It's not nuts to like firearms, though. And I know a lot of people listening would like to have a way, maybe uh, just kind of low-key and without spending a whole lot of money to practice their shots iTarget Pro allows you to do just that. This year, you could be the coolest relative, as, a, as we were talking about. I mean, it is Christmas time. You could be the coolest relative, coolest friend, best Santa with the iTarget Pro. It's revolutionizing dry fire training. 
It's firing without live rounds. iTarget Pro, completely safe, comes with your caliber specific laser target system and instructions so you can begin training immediately. Utilizing your smartphone, proprietary app tracks a caliber specific laser which fits into your firearm and will detect exactly where your shots are landing. Just go to letter itargetpro.com, check out the video, choose your caliber, and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. Right now, save 10% with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, and take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com, offer code STEVE, itargetpro.com. And Steve, when I get mine, which I should be soon, hoping... I'm going to keep track of of where my accuracy hmm. is when I start, versus, uh, you know, versus where you know where we end up. Maybe in a couple of weeks, and I think I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty hopeful that it's going to work out pretty well. I wonder if we might help them sell more of those if we come up with a special my face as the as the target package. You know what I'm saying? That's when the laser target when the package comes in. My face is on the target. What you do you know, think? Um, there's self. I think there might be some, some incentive there. Self-deprecating humor, and then there's. Are you okay, Steve? You <laughs> that's that's the second time I got rich today. This happened. <laughs> um, you know what? Cheryl Henson just emailed us a point that I want to address, and I like the fact that I, I like the fact she's thinking like this. This is critical thinking. She said, I think your logic is flawed when you say that if you really believe Roy Moore was a pedophile or Brett Kavanaugh was a rapist, you'd be calling the cops and so forth. For example, I believe Bill Clinton raped Juanita Broderick, but I'm not calling the cops on him. The statute of limitations has expired. Um, first of all, number one, that's good critical thinking. And I like the fact you're coming back at us with our own logic. That's how iron sharpens iron. So I like that kind of stuff. But number two, I actually looked it up before I said that there is no statute of limitations on sexual assault on a minor in Alabama. There doesn't exist. And I think in the Kavanaugh yeah. case, the reason why there was consistent pressure on the local authorities to do something, remember we, how, we have, how many Correct. media people kept going, to, and there were rumors the local authorities had reopened the investigation, is I don't think the statute of limitations had expired on his situation as well. In terms of the Juanita Broderick thing, I hadn't even actually thought about that. And whether the statute of limitations has expired on her allegations or not, I don't know the answer. But of course, if your point there, Cheryl, is the same standard should apply, I agree. If you believe Juanita Broderick uh, was raped by Bill Clinton and the statute of limitations of where this assault allegedly took place have not expired, you should get off Twitter, stop tweeting about it, call the cops and demand they act on it. I think that's a perfectly fair point Cheryl made there. So, But there is no statute of limitations in Alabama on sexual assault on a minor. It doesn't exist. So a uh, good point, though, that I wanted to address. Uh, good email, Cheryl. appreciate that. One other thing, though, back to what we were just talking about. So I'm supposed to go on MSNBC here in exactly two hours, 140. And it's supposed to be a post-election wrap-up. Based on what we're saying here, tell me why would I do this? I'm not going to reach... The, the re, there were two reasons I, I did so many liberal media hits the last couple of the last seven years. One, when I was first starting out, I was less than a nobody. And I, I needed, frankly, as many people on national television outlets to say the name Steve Days as possible. So there was a proprietary uh, interest, uh, promotional interest. The other is, you know, there's an evangelistic one. Is I wanted to see if there could be a respectful exchange of ideas. And if I wasn't, if I was willing to rise above tribalism, but stay true to my principles, could I get an honest hearing? And might I even win some people over? And we've gotten tons of emails over the years 
from people who tell us, you know what, I don't agree with what you say most of the time, but I find your willingness to hold your own side accountable to it refreshing, and I'm at least considering your viewpoint, right? You guys have seen some of those sure. multitudes of notes we've yes. gotten. But if the current media culture has, di- has diminished so much in the last couple of years, that we're that it's essentially your Jim Acosta or Sean Hannity, and there is there or or maybe Janine Pirro is a better example. Your Jim Acosta or your Janine Pirro, and, and 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 unless you're invited on a couple of shows, like I I only did Chuck Todd on Meet the Press last year because I was invited to come on individually, not on a panel, and so I knew I would be able to say what I wanted to say. Like I don't I don't care how hostile or snotty the questioning is, if it's one on one. If we're sitting on a panel and it's six minutes and there's three people and you're only going to get 90 seconds and, and the panel begins by uh, letting the other person make a 93-second monologue that I believe in Christian Sharia law, is there any point to having a consistent uh, – uh, to me, the ship has sailed on a constructive conversation at that point. Agreed? And that's why I walked off the set that day. So I don't – if I were going on there today one-on-one, I wouldn't care what Katie Tur asked me or what the premise was because I know with the amount of time – I'm pretty confident in my ability to turn that time to my advantage, regardless of how slanted her questioning may be. But if I'm going to be on a panel, and essentially there there can be no distinctions now, um, you're either Janine Pirro or you are um, uh, Matty Iglesias, then why am I why am I going to add eight to fifteen minutes of my schedule to reach almost nobody to do this today? Why should I do it then? Well, you've answered your own question. Uh, do you do you know for sure the circumstances you're going to? I'm going to be on a panel with the yeah. uh, gal who hosts the Progressive Channel on Sirius XM doing a post-election breakdown. But here's the thing: you're going to be asked about Steve King again. And, this and is what I, I told you last. I, I don't care about Steve King. I don't care about what whether that was Jim Acosta was his, was his, the video was doctored or his arm was pushed. I, I, like most people in Iowa, regardless of how they voted last Tuesday, I don't give two turds or a pimple on a dog's hind end about any of that crap. So why am I going to take time out of my schedule if that's probably what we're going to talk about? Should I, should I just, no, just cancel no, right now? You need to be tactically smart, uh, specifically, about your general approach to this, which should be go to Nineveh. Uh, it, you, when possible, you should absolutely go into these lion's dens. Yeah. Uh, but you... You know the lay of the land now. You should never be a sucker. And so you need to pick and choose, just like you got done saying. But you should, ne- we should never write it off wholesale uh, because there are very good reasons to go in there and sometimes l- provoke the mob. Sometimes the right thing to do is w- have three fools just scream over each other, screaming at you, and let the world see how insane they are. I'm not saying that's the case today, but I, there, there's many reasons tactically to still go to Nineveh. I don't know if today's that day. You know better than I well, See, I mean, I, I thought of that as well. I mean, is this Nineveh? Well, the reason why Jonah did not go to Nineveh is because he didn't originally, is because he didn't have compassion for, for those people. What I hear Steve saying is that um, I have enough that there's no point in me going because if I say what needs to be said, then you know, X, Y, Z will happen. Is that, I mean, is that kind of what I hear you saying, Steve? It's because when I'm here, wanna... well, First of all, I don't think it's Jonah going to Nineveh because Jonah had an open forum. He didn't, you know, stand in a seven-minute uh, 
sat, sat up late right. with other with with the king of Nineveh directing all the questions and and his spokesperson deciding what the talking points were. So I don't think the analogy holds. It, to me, it's more like Jesus going to Herod's palace where he doesn't say a word because they want the clown show and he refuses to give it to them because they're clearly not interested in any form of a legitimate. Uh, conversation. And I'd like to be able to say that I'm well enough, I'm known well enough to that you wouldn't ask me to come on if you didn't want a legit conversation, but B, my ego knows that's not true. And C, I just had an experience with with a channel that just absolutely ambushed me after I had been on there, what, a half dozen times and I gave, oh, them, that, yeah. gave them earnest conversation and they absolutely ambushed me with a, with a complete and total clown show. You know, so... I, 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 here's, cause here's the other thing too. I'm a human. I can be provoked. I, 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 I'm, you know, what does Paul say? When you go to reach your brother who's lost in sin, try not to, you know, make sure you don't fall into the same sin as them. This isn't just about them. I am concerned about me. Cause you know what I'd like to do? Yeah. You know, when we get going, we fire up the 1812 overture. You know what I want to do? You know, I mean, guns up. Of the smell of napalm. That's right. Middle finger salute. Fire up the cool modi. How you like me now? I'm still a guy, man. I'm competitive as they come. I'm I'm concerned about my own <coughs> my own lack of restraint. That see, that's the thing that people didn't understand about why I walked off the set on HLN a few months ago. I walked off the set because I was concerned about my reaction to this that I was going to behave in a way that was going to give them what they wanted. They wanted their straw man. And I just said, you know, the only way to win the game is not to play. I'm, 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 I'm not going to be here. I'm, I'm not doing this. So tell me why I sit there for 10 minutes before I come on. And then I sit there for 10 minutes wondering, are you going to actually ask me a question that is worth my time? Because I'm, I'm not reaching nobody in my audience is going to watch this live. And they will only see it if we post it on our social media. So why would I do this now that, now that we're having this conversation? Why would I do this today? That's my question. Well, but that, that was my answer as well. Why <coughs> Pardon we, me. Today, and, and Aaron pointed it out uh, several days ago, and he rightly points it out today, if, if this is going to be uh, Steve King trolling while we ignore uh, what goes on with uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, yeah, that... Then you make that calculation. You do the math and say today's uh, not the day, but there's other days uh, where it, it may very well be. It's, I, I, I just don't think yeah. I don't think we're in any position uh, to write off the possibility of going in there because I and we had a disagreement of sorts I think a week ago about this about you know uh, can't they just go off into their corner. The, the, the reason we are here as a culture, one of the primary reasons, is that the propaganda is so thick. And it really doesn't matter that the press is viewed as loathly as they do. People say that, and then they still drink the Kool-Aid just as deeply. We need to take opportunities to show the emperor has no clothes when the times are right. And so I go back to where I started. You need to be tactically smart. Today may very well be a tactically stupid thing to go on there. Yeah, I, I would say uh, as well— the topic that you've maybe more specific than than what you've let on, or just for, for whatever reason, but um, you, you have to pick and choose your your battles. I mean, when we go into war, we don't. I mean, we we might you know bandy about we're going to you know attack 
Iraq. Well, we're not really going to be attacking Iraq. We're going to be attacking specific targets within the country. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, if it's a nebulous topic like uh, election 2018 wrap, you don't know what that's going to be. That could go any number of ways. It'll be the number one, it's, two, three trolling topics going viral exactly, right now. Exactly. Be. If it's going to be a specific, a specific topic like you got the opportunity with Chuck Todd last year, that's a, topic, that's, a, that's a way you can actually push back and actually have a forum. But most of these panels, if it's a nebulous topic, it's not really a forum. Again, Steve, it's, it's sides. It's not opinions. It's yeah. just sides. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I wonder, should I just put a, I might just put a blanket Ixnay on. I'm just not doing any more panels. I might just, maybe I should just do that. Well, that's a tactic. With the exception of Fox, because at least I know, I know what Fox is looking for. They're honest. They're Trump television. Okay. So I'm, I, I, so I haven't, I, I know every time what the angle of a panel on Fox is going to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Regard that they can give me any nebulous topic they want. I I know the angle is going to be a pro-Trump angle most of the ninety percent of the time. Um, maybe when we're dealing with foreign media, because either they're foreign or they think I'm a foreigner, you know, from the other America, I should just be. I'm happy to sit and talk to you guys one on one. And if you don't think I'm a big enough star to give me that kind of airtime, then cool. That's your choice. Don't call me. But I'm not doing any more of your silly, contrived, unven diagram, fake panels. I think the reason not to be a part of a panel isn't because you're invariably going to be, you know, outnumbered. Actually, I think that's an advantage if you have the time to deal with it, because ultimately you get a three for one. All of you are clowns, but yeah. you'd never have the time to do that's that. Exactly right. it, it, that's exactly right. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Essentially, on a panel, it's just Twitter with on video. That's that's basically yeah. what yep. it is. And that's not that's never a forum. I mean, it is ne- I hate Twitter. It's good for some things, but as far as actually fleshing ideas, it's not the forum for that. So, why wouldn't I? I'm I'm tempted to just right now send him a note back and just tell him point blank. I frankly just don't trust that that given the events of the day, this is a conversation that I think is going to be constructive whatsoever, and I'm just not interested in a trollathon and go book somebody else. Tell yeah. me why I just wouldn't say that. I I totally on board with that. What do you think? Aaron? Because we used to you, you your your rationale used to be, if I'm remembering correctly, that this was purely evangelistic. If you you thought that if you could get a fair shake and be treated professionally, which most of the time you are, fair shake and, and treated professionally, that maybe by um, capably and engagingly presenting and articulating conservative ideals that you might be able to reach somebody or at least get the message out there in a way that's not being done. The more we study this cult, though, the more we actually realize that it's a cult and all the things that come along with that. And so barring divine intervention, a Nineveh-type moment, it is not, I don't think, worth your time uh, in this specific case. I would say if there are opportunities to get more specific about the topic and you know that you can turn that to your advantage, this is, again, this is warfare. We're not just being nice here by, oh, yeah, well, uh, I'll exchange my time for your platform. No, we have to look at this like warfare. Is this a battle that you can win? Um, and if you don't know that, then the answer is no. If you don't know that going in, the answer is no. That's what I would say. Now, this is 
not a this would not be the right business decision. The right business decision would be going there and just, you know, drop all kinds of viral bombs. And, you know, there's a Steve that from five, ten years ago that would have gladly done that. But um I'm out of bile, guys. I'm just I'm out of it. I I just I'm done hating people as much as they hate me. I just don't. Life's, I'm 45, man. Life is, it, when I was 35, I was like, I got all kinds of time. And I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, my kids are almost grown. One of them's going to turn 18 in a few months. And I'm asking myself, I'm, what I'm finding as I get older is I want to fight a lot less but the things I want to fight about, I want to actually fight about them harder than I used to. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. But that's ultimately our charge. We are charged to fight relentlessly without hating. Yeah. So if she wanted to bring me on one-on, here's how this applies to my thinking in this situation. If she wanted to bring me one-on-one on one-on-one today to discuss even the Acosta-Trump thing, I would do it. But if we're going to do pro-wrestling, and first of all, I don't even believe the Republican Party's talking points. So I don't, I don't, even, I don't even do that stuff, number one. Um, number two, with everything going on with Acosta, I think we know what the conversation's going to be now, don't we? This was actually booked. What's funny, they tried to book me before the election. And this is what, Aaron, you were referring to about Steve King. Is we figured they were going to try to corner me with all the yeah. stupid crap Steve King said. And I, if you want to get Steve King's take, ask him. I'm not Steve King. So I said, I'll do it well after the election, thinking we would actually talk data and numbers and what happened. No. And now with Acosta and everything, now we're back to the third grade and romper room again. I'm going to think about this during the break. Stay tuned. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live on the Blaze, on demand at CRTV, 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I did just send uh, a note to MSNBC, uh, and I told them, uh, in fact, let me just read for you what I sent. Um, on second thought, I'm going to decline. I think in the current environment, I'm just not a good fit for the typical cable news panel conversation happening right now. And you're probably better off getting an actual Republican to play the role required here. Thanks for considering me. I hope this gives you enough notice to come up with a replacement. They actually just emailed me back and said, well, this hit was supposed to be in an hour and a half. It put us in a tough spot. Uh, I'm not going to respond to that. Uh, but with all due respect, how many times have I had these things canceled on me in the last five seconds because of breaking news or something else? And I, I mean, I, that, I'm not sympathetic to that argument. That's life in the real world. So um, it's 90 minutes. I think 90 minutes. It was supposed to be at 140 Central. They've had over 90 minutes. I got to believe they can find somebody in 90 minutes. I got a high opinion of me. I don't think it requires 90 minutes to require to come up with a replacement for me, though, Given even given the high opinion I have of thine self. You, you know, think, Todd? Now we got to pay attention and see who 
takes the bait and who goes on. Yeah. yeah, and, I, and uh, yeah I think the line true. will be fairly long. Yeah. So we'll see. A um, couple of other things we've got to address that have happened today. One, that whole love your neighbors, you love yourself thing. And some of the some of the nebulous generalization is impossible because we don't have time in, a, in 280 characters or a two-hour show to specify everybody's names, okay? But we wouldn't like it. We, we didn't like it last week when a bunch of people on the left went out there and said this crazed guy with the Trump van is, is every conservative. Well, first of all, you know what the poly- guy's ideology is, but uh, is every Trump voter. You didn't, did, if, you voted, if you were a Trump voter, did you, did you care for that overgeneralization? No? No. No. Likewise, um, there are some high-profile people on the left that are coming out today that are not Matty Iglesias and criticizing what this, uh, what this uh, mob did outside of Tucker Carlson's house last night, not the least of which one of the most high-profile progressive personalities in America today, Stephen Colbert. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, another very high-profile uh, progressive celebrity, her executive producer. Um, so as I see these, I'm trying to retweet them. Because again, I think, I think we can actually have the, the, the rivet or the... What's the word I'm looking for here? The rigorous and even vociferous debate on, pardon me, how now shall we live? That's really the debate we need to have. I think as human beings made in the image of God, regardless of our belief systems, we're capable of, of doing that without always destroying each other if we don't begin with character assassination, lying to each other about what our true motivations are, and just over blanket generalizations, straw men, period. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's a, I think if another, I guess what I'm advocating is we treat each other as human beings, maybe. If we start there and then say, you know, man, I, I think you, I, I really like, you know, um, how you take care of your kids. Did I mention I find your economic view is just completely repugnant? But I think if we actually started in a place where we're human, there might be, uh, more room to have an, a real debate because what's happening right now is we're not really having a real debate. We're dehumani- dehumanizing from the outset and then the debate never takes place. And that's mostly what happens on cable news, for example. You know what's ironic? You know what the highest rated, other than live election night programming or debates, do you know what the highest rated events CNN has had in the last primetime events have been in the last five years? Do you guys know? Is that the other Ted Cruz, Bernie Sanders? The two Cruz, Bernie Sanders debates and it's not even close. Outside of live election night coverage or when they are permitted to host a debate. So it's not even close. I mean, the viewership that the Cruz-Sanders debates got, one was on healthcare and it was the other one, what was the second one on? I can't remember what the second one was on. But uh, those two debates, by far, you can take the total viewership of CNN's primetime lineup, multiply it by 10, and they got more viewers than that. So... When the, when the numbers show there is clearly a market for a kind of content. And I didn't really, I'm, I, you know, I don't, did you guys get the sense that Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz are kind of going easy on each other in that debate? No. Kind of just, you know, schlepping it up. Did you guys get that sense? I didn't get that sense. I had a pretty vigorous debate on the issues. And people tuned in to be informed and to hear both sides and make up their own mind on CNN, where they're not tuning in much right now. Certainly not to Don Lemon, for example.
So when the numbers show that there's a market for something that appeals to the better angels of our nature and you refuse to provide it to your own financial detriment, I mean, we'd be, it'd be one thing to be doing, you know, the, the cable news equivalent of Maury Povich's, uh, you know, paternity reveals. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be one thing to be doing the cable news equivalent to Jerry Springer, I want to marry my horse. It'd be one thing to do the cable news equivalent to that, and you're making money, yo. That's where we're kind of like, well, you know, it is the oldest profession, you know what I'm saying? Hate the game, not the player. But they're hemorrhaging viewers. And the viewers have said, we'll come to your channel if you give us a debate, we'll come in droves. When you don't give us that, we will leave in droves. And so when the numbers are very clear on this and you have every incentive to provide something, I'm a capitalist in the end. I, I understand capitalism is going to produce Larry Flint's. I understand that. I, it's because I don't believe human nature is basically good is why I'm a capitalist. Not because I do think people are basically good. It's the other way around. It's because I don't think they're basically good and competition is needed in order to create incentives for people to be better than their base nature. That's why I'm a capitalist. More choice, more competition incentivizes better behavior, not worse. So when CNN, for example, has every incentive to provide better programming and then and the numbers show that the audience will respond and they continue not to do so and they're not making any money, they're, they're, not, even, they're not even Larry Flint's, they're not even good at the political smut they're peddling. It's not making them money. They're dying. I, then what do you say to that, Todd? This is what I said before. It means that they just love that smut That's what more they want. than anything. Yeah. Even if there's not a market for it, that, that's exactly what it means. That And there's a religiosity to the love of that smut, which is why you can see Jim Acosta behave the way he, he's a true believer. That guy thought he was freaking Paul Revere. He really did. Which is, you know, once again, and it's also on the other side with Lindsey Graham. We have so many frauds stepping in because we have so few men. The other, The guy on the other side. Uh, of Acosta, Donald Trump, same issue. Uh, there's a there's a religiosity to the fervor of Acosta and company that should not be misdiagnosed because you do so at your peril. Let's put that to bed. There's another story in your montage, and I know we're way behind, but I think on the stuff we were going to tackle today, but I, I think maybe we're having a conversation about something that gets discussed in conservative media a lot, but maybe from a perspective that ha is missing. And, and that's, that, that's why I wanted us to address this, that I, I think we can make the same mistake with, with media personalities that we often accuse um, the other side of making with Trump. That because you don't, th there's so much focus on Trump's persona that you use that as an excuse to overlook the fact he might be doing some things that are good for the country you might like if you took his persona away. And I, I think we're so caught up in whether Jim Acosta smacked the hand of this female intern away and should have had his credentials revoked on the right that we're actually missing, you know, and, and because of the personality focus, our friends on the left often criticize Trump for things, for the wrong things. In this case, I think we're actually focused on the Acosta thing on the wrong thing. It's the behavior, it's the premise, it's not, it's not the acting out 
we've all lost our temper. Let, let's even say the, the, the characterization of how we treated that woman on the right is 100% correct. We can all lose our temper and things of that nature. Let he who's out sin in this case, don't look at me. I got, a lot to, I got a lot to ask for forgiveness for where that's concerned. It's the premise he began from. I challenge you. That's not, what, what are you? He's Commodus and you're Russell Crowe? I mean, what, what, what you, I, I want to challenge you? That, that's, the, that's the premise of an activist. See, that's, the, that's what we ought to be focused on in, in what's left of America today. Not the, you know, parts of his persona that are just exceedingly grating and self-aggrandizing. Because I think that's the argument that we can actually win. And I don't think it gets as... Because when we remove as much personalities as we can, I think we greatly expand the potential audience of people we can reach. The minute personalities get involved, right away, what happens is the tribalism kind of sets in at that point. And if you like the way a guy rolls, you tend to forgive everything about him that he's doing that if you didn't like him, you would probably find heinous and despicable and, and vice versa. The other big story today we, that's in Aaron's montage from an hour ago we have to talk about is the new AG. I, I don't know how many people in conservative media know Matt Whitaker. It's probably not many, but I'm one of them. And I have known Matt for a long time. And in fact, Matt and I's careers basically began around the same time. I was breaking into local sports talk radio here in Des Moines when Matt was, you know, finishing up uh, his time as a football player at the University of Iowa and, and beginning to, you know, evolve and, and transition into a career in politics. Uh, he used to come on my show, you know, and talk uh, football because I was a, I was, you know, a, a well, con- pretty open about my conservative politics. And when, when, we, when we were in the off season with Iowa and Iowa State, you know, I don't believe in politicizing sports, but we talked non-sports topics. Matt would come on. Um, I've known Matt for a long time. Uh, we used to work out at the same gym together, even as recent as till he took this job as uh, Jeff Sessions' chief of staff. I saw him there several times at the uh, Healthy Living Center. Well, it's Mercy Hospital now. It used to be the uh, YMCA's facility in West Des Moines. Um, uh, probably the last in-depth conversation I've had with Matt, though, was um, he was trying to win the uh, GOP nomination for Senate in Iowa against Joni Ernst in 2014. And him and I had a couple of uh, lunches towards the end of that primary campaign uh, where we kind of sat down and had, you know, really long, honest conversations about where the race was, where the Republican Party was going, where the conservative movement was going. So, I mean, that's, you know, uh, four and a half years ago now. So, I mean, I've seen him several times since then, but that's the last time I've had an in-depth conversation with him. Um, in terms of his personality, I would, I might even say on some issues, Jeff Sessions is more conservative than Matt, but on, in terms of their personalities, and I don't know Jeff Sessions as well as our buddy Daniel Horowitz does. I've met him a couple of times. I know what we've seen of him as a national figure for the last two years. Okay. So based off of what I've seen of Jeff Sessions as a national figure the last two years, and having known Matt Whitaker for well over 10 years. These guys are a lot different. <laughs> Man, they could not be. And Matt Whitaker is never going to say, well, I thought the president's remarks towards me were really hurtful. That's, that's never going to happen. All right? 
it's kind of hurtful. Yeah, you're you know you're talking about a high caliber Division One uh, college football player right, that played it in a, a you know the highest levels in the Big Ten conference. Uh, no, no, there's not. We're not going to sit. No, there's there's not going to be a lack of uh, of 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 uh, of T level. There's not going to be a lack of machismo. Matt is Matt is first of all impossible not to like. Absolutely impossible not to like. And and not even, you know, in the... And there's some of the political politician schmaltz, you know? Um, but I don't even mean uh, in that way. I mean, he's just, you know, he's he's the locker room guy. He's He, he is what you would think a former high-level college athlete would grow up and be like. He's gregarious, easily likable, the kind of guy that fits into a... I think he'll be. It'll be fascinating how he'll handle the press because there's some charisma there, and he's very likable, and um, he's not going to be an easily stereotyped figure. He won't be an easily uh, cornered figure because of his personality. His personality will be to his advantage. Actually, be the other way around, um, and because he's you know played in a. A Big Ten football locker room. He's used to being around a diverse group of people and folks from different backgrounds and walks of life. So, no, he's not going to be somebody intimidated by, um, you know, a room of people with differing views and things of that nature. That 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 won't work on him either. He is though very ambitious and has been ever since I've known him. So, you know, I don't. And when I say that, I, I mean I don't think he would like break the law for Donald Trump. But if the concern was that Jeff Sessions was not aggressive enough in pursuing what the president wants an attorney general to do, the opposite concern will occur here. Um, You may be, folks may be concerned. He might be too eager to, uh, uh, to hit the, uh, hit the red button. Now, from my perspective, I, I always believe it's easier to talk the most to more aggressive people down to, um, to moments of necessary temperance than talk passive people up to times of aggression. That's just my life experience. That may not be true, but that's... No, that's true. Is that true? Okay. So um, do I think if, if, if the president ordered him because let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. Do I think if the president ordered him to fire Bob Mueller, because remember the president cannot fire Bob Mueller. The law does not permit this. Matt Whitaker is now overseeing this investigation. Particularly if Rosenstein, Rosenstein, and why do we call him that if you're new to our show? We don't know how to pronounce his last name and we've heard it pronounced both ways, so we're just covering all our bases. So he's Rod Rosensteinstein, right? So if he were to fire Rod Rosensteinstein as the deputy AG, then there's no question he would now oversee the investigation. He's not the, he didn't recuse himself like Jeff Sessions did. So do I think, Matt Whitaker, if the president said, I can't fire Bob Mueller, I need you to do it, do I believe Matt Whitaker would do it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And then you can make up your own mind about whether you think that would be a prudent move or not. You know, I, I'm kind of out of the Bob Mueller business. You know, I started off being very respectful of his very impressive resume. What exactly and, is that business currently? And, and I, I that's know. why I'm yeah. out. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what the point. All I kind of see is some indictments and a leakocracy. I mean, I, I don't see much other than providing talk, you know, content for 
um, you know, cable news networks on the right or pro or, or anti-Trump uh, Venn diagram. I also don't discount the president's former advisor pleading guilty to felonies, guys. I don't, that, we can't, and we didn't at the time that that happened. I don't discount that either. I just don't know where it's going. And all of the leaks and the, some of the shoddy associations that Mueller has made with known partisans as an investigation. So I started off kind of pushing back against some of my fellow conservatives who wanted to attack him right away because this is one of the most decorated law enforcement officers in the history of the country. He's married to the same woman for 60 years. He's got, you know, a multitude of battlefield accommodations. He's the second longest serving FBI director of all time. I mean, this guy's resume is Jack Armstrong, all-American boy. But as the thing has gone on and worn on with seemingly no end in sight, I have grown increasingly, I think, as you have, Aaron, disillusioned yep. by his entire panel. Yep. So I would have pushed back about a year ago on firing Mueller. And I, that's another argument. I just, I don't care whether Mueller, I don't care whether Mueller is still investigating Russia in 2073. And I don't care if he's fired tomorrow. I don't care. I just, so that wasn't, I wasn't making a judgment when I said I was making an observation. I'm just calling the weather forecast. Do I think if Donald Trump called Matt Whitaker tomorrow or the day after or a week later and said, fire Bob Mueller, we're done here, I think Matt Whitaker would do it. Now, I'll let you guys talk. Go ahead. Yeah, um, on Bob Mueller, he's already done. I mean, he's already done kind of his job. I think at, I don't know what I don't know what the, the end game of this was other than just, just to be a gigantic talker and a massive distraction and I mean, he has succeeded masterfully in doing that. But Mueller and what has transpired since he was appointed special counsel, one of the reasons why I have no hesitation, and I know you haven't even before this, but why I have no hesitation calling us a banana republic, because this is the stuff of banana republics, the way that he's handled his business throughout this entire special counsel Mm -hmm. investigation. So I think he's both things can be true. Up until this point, he had a great record. That record's still there. The way he's handled this, terrible. Um, so that's that's all I have to say on, on Bob Mueller, and I don't care either because he's already, I think, accomplished his goal of just being a, a gigantic thorn in Trump's side. Uh, so I don't think it's going to—I don't think there's any one way or the other prudent or, un, you know, not prudent. As far as Matt Whitaker goes, um, I, I obviously don't know him as well as you. I don't know him at all. I know a Matt Whitaker. It's not that one. Um, but he, he does seem—I don't what know. What kind of AG would he be, do you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think he's I think he's a banker actually. Um no, he's uh, I we'll see how it goes. I just I don't want Chris Christie to be aging. Oh, that's the worst of, just of, so the, you of know. people that are realistic choices yeah. for Trump. There's how and who would be the worst? There's Chris Christie and then at why? The, the worst possible choice, total rhino, untrustworthy horrible baggage horrible and and all it would do is feed the stereotype that trump just picks people that say nice things about him and on cable news that's what it would do it, it, it that's a terrible choice and it, and it would i would start to question are they really trying to see how many suburban voters can we lose and win that's the kind of that i you know we just sit here and talked about the compound cultic mentality of the media when there's when there's documented evidence of things they could do to better their their um, their reputation and they won't do them, this would be the Trumpian version of this. Christie is ag. 
This would be, you're just like, there's not a rational argument for it. He brings no positives to the table. And I mean, this guy, this is a guy that lost the governorship because of a federal investigation into whether he shut the big, the busiest bridge in America down that got people killed. All right. I, I, there, there's just nothing good about it. He's a, he's a meme. He's the most, he came out of the 2016 election, the most laugh, the most panned parody figure. Uh, your base hate, hated him even before this because he's a total rhino. He's a total rhino. This, this adds nothing. He's not liked. He's not like a bull. And he doesn't get you a single voter. It makes, there's no argument, there, there is no argument for it other than, I, I, I could not, if I was on a panel and they said, Steve, can you give us a case why Donald Trump picked Chris Christie for AG other than he says nice things about him on cable news? I could not come up with another argument. I, and ra- I could not rationally come up with one. This would be, this would be cultic-like choice making, like we just talked about the media doing. I, I can't, it's breathtaking how poor of a choice it would be. You seem skeptical. No, I'm not skeptical. I just won't be surprised by the choice. So I'm really not. Honestly, I see it coming down the road. Uh, that's the part of Trump. I guess I, I, for my own sanity, had to swallow a long time ago. Yet yeah, this is as likely as anything else. But and everything you just said is obviously correct, which is why it'll probably happen nonetheless. Terrible people, but doing terrible things terribly to other terrible people. Things I'd like to be surprised about, what you said with Whitaker and his ambition, the direction it would take him, uh, that's a healthy instinct as far as, unless he walks into that room and is suddenly like, I I need, Bob Mueller says, I need one more minute, and he basically unfolds the fact that this is all hail Hydra. Um, oh, give you that minute. Short of that, though, this thing, regardless if it's investigating Donald Trump or Barack Obama or so, it's this is not how things are supposed to work. Yet they are increasingly working this way all the time. We cannot have this shadow government operating yeah. over here that we have no idea what it's doing, when it's doing it, what it's what it's going to conclude. That needs to that's, stop. That's yep. why I'm disillusioned. Is what you just said yeah. right there because because of the resume Mueller has. There are several times he could have come out and publicly provided some reassurance and some transparency and some sunlight. And, and, and this guy is a political animal. You don't survive as long as the director of the FBI, if, as he did, if you don't understand how to, how to work the political process. There's ways he could have done that that wouldn't have damaged any investigations. But he at least could have said, hey, here's my resume. I know what I'm doing. All right. Get, here's why you need to give us. He's done none of that. And just let this all be hammered out on cable news networks to the detriment of the credibility of his own investigation yep. to the point that no, there's nothing he could do. If he comes back now and says Trump didn't do anything, everybody on CNN and MSNBC that thought it was, he was a mosaic deliverer, they're going to hang him in effigy all for nine hours the next day. And if he comes back and he's got Zapruder, he's got the, he's got the 4K film of Putin handing the cashier's check to Trump. Everybody that voted for Trump's going to, he has, he has, he has, he had a chance to transcend the partisan tribalism and all he did was feed this monster all the more. And that's why I'm out. And that's why I don't care what happens to him. I don't care what his, I don't care what his investigation says, doesn't say it, it's, it's just another partisan exercise that'll be panned by the people that were ripping it yesterday, depending on the outcome and ripped by the people that were panning it before, or, or, or they're praising it before, depending on the outcome. And I hate that crap. He missed an opportunity to prove, to live up to that resume and be a statesman in my mind. And so I don't care if Matt Whitaker fires him tomorrow or he just does this until Jesus comes back. I don't care. I don't care. All, all of your elective representatives 
uh, get away with the kind of murder they get, get away with for multiple reasons. But one of them is they can continue to hide behind uh, things like this instead of doing their damn job. Hide behind the Supreme Court yep. instead of doing their damn job. Make them all left and right do their damn job. Yes. That's- and that's why I texted to Whitaker this morning. I texted him this morning. If uh, You will have a fan in me for life. If you go after Kavanaugh's false accusers that were referred to the DOJ yep. by the U.S. Senate, have they been indicted yet? That's what if you that to me firing Bob Mueller is not the true is not the true test of action because Mueller has made it easy to fire him. Well, I shouldn't say easier. He's made it easier to fire him now for all the things we're saying now. This is largely seen. There is no middle of of this investigation now. It is, this is all now seen as a partisan exercise. Okay, so. I don't think it expends nearly the political capital or makes any kind of statement about your government working for you to fire Bob Mueller than it might have if they did it like a year ago. No, to me, that what shows that we're get, that we're serious about this job is you go after those women that made those false accusations. And I want felony to me because I think I think rape ought to be a capital offense. I think we ought to execute men for sexual assault. Execute them. It's a capital offense in my mind. And then you take women who make false accusations and that's felony convictions with long imprisonment terms because you damn near wrecked a man's life and his family and ended it forever. That's what I, I want to see that happen. I, that's what I texted him this morning. You do that, you'll have a fan in me for life. That, that's to me the test. Is, is, is we, the Mueller thing at this point is a partisan exercise. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I want to see, because, and I, because, why did I vote? What's the number one reason I voted the way that I did on Tuesday? This story that I'm talking about right here. Yeah. That is so beyond the pale. We've seen, we, I, I'm not shocked. I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that Mueller fell prey to this, but did I not warn everybody not to appoint a special counsel? Yeah. Cause it would be Lawrence Walsh and Ken Starr all over again. Did I not? I, I did. I did those appearances on cable news. Did I not? You guys are all good. Nobody's good. It's a bad move. Yet we have congressional oversight, put the stuff on TV, and the and then the voters make up their mind. No, they, these things always just become endless bureaucracies and fourth branches of government every time. Every time. And then Casper Weinberger gets indo- in, indicted by Lawrence Walsh three minutes before the 92 election after saying nothing for 10 years, and then or for five years. And then Ken Starr begins looking in white water, and now it's about DNA on a blue dress, and off we go, and it never ends, except, you know, our funding for these exercises, of course. All right. So this, though, this violates the rules of engagement, what they try to do to Brett Kavanaugh. And there needs to be comeuppance for this. There needs to be accountability for this. And the people, the the American people ought to be given assurance that this will not be a new front that will be permitted to be opened, will not be allowed, that we are, we, we are without, we are without reprisal, able to just, with no evidence other than I don't like you, attempt to end your life, reputation, everything because of your politics. No. And I think that's what I want to see Matt Whitaker do is take that fight on. All in favor, say aye. 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 I'm, and I'm shocked and, well, I'm not shocked disappointed pissed off that um these these people have not been indicted already a referral is not an indictment as far as i understand and the fact that they haven't been indicted or uh any further action to my knowledge uh, that's been taken yet uh that's 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 bad theology thursday is next
Let's get to some Theology Thursday here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. And right away, I need to apologize. All right. I, I know we're behind. I had planned to get uh, back on schedule with our study of uh, Colossians that for those of you that are new to our show, for Theology Thursday, right before we made the, uh, uh, we added the Blaze audience, we started doing an actual uh, Bible study. We hadn't done that before uh, with Theology Thursday. So we've been going through the book of Colossians. And uh, with other events that have gone on with the culture, election, et cetera, for, that are of a theo- theological persuasion, we've been tackling those issues for the last few weeks. My plan originally coming in today was to uh, continue that conversation. I even had all my notes and everything all ready to go. Well, not notes, but like I meant, because we made an agreement not to do any notes, but like a mental note of where we left off and what we had talked about. And uh, the events of the day and the things we've talked about conspired against us were I just had uh, diarrhea of the mouth, which is the more likely um, explanation. So I'm sorry. Next week, you went to Catholic school, didn't you? I did not. Oh, you didn't? Okay, no. I was going to say, because <laughs> I, I was hoping you you had a commemorative set of rulers that the nuns used to wrap you over the knuckles with when you got out of line, right? Okay. I was going to give you permission if I, next week on Theology Thursday— if we don't get back into Colossians with the continue our study, I want you to you have permission to go, uh, Sister Mary Jean, on me. I hand fashioned a set for myself and my own children. <laughs> All right, so then, then bring it, bring it next week. Uh, when I come in next Thursday morning, when I get done doing the sports show with Schilling, and I come over here to the new set, I want to see those sitting at the edge of the desk where you sit, just to kind of as a way of just kind of uh, sending me a message. All right, that this is meant for you if. You don't get back on schedule. Can you do that for me? I can do that. Yeah, intimidate me. All right, force me to do my job. There is another theological topic I want to discuss, though, because it came up uh, this morning on my Twitter account, courtesy of um, conversation we had with a guest we had earlier this week. And uh, it, it involves this tweet. Elon Omar is the new congresswoman from uh, Minnesota. And a few days ago, or I'm sorry, a few years ago, she tweeted this out. Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. Now, Heather Timmons from Quartz.com, who covers the White House and the Trump administration and, 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 and uh, D.C. for that uh, publication, that's a, was it the Atlantic, she said, is their yes. benefactor? So it's liberal media, all right? And she admits that. They're, they're, she openly admitted, you know, we have kind of a globalist viewpoint. That was her yes. her perspective. I'm not putting words in her mouth. She said that on the show. If you go get the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and you'll hear her say that. This was part of a larger conversation, but that other conversation is really between Heather and I, and it's not germane to the main point I want to get to here today. She believes that it's not these remarks. Heather told me she doesn't believe these remarks are anti-Semitic. Um, the tweet she sent to me this morning is, quote, I'm reading, reading it right now, criticizing the Israeli regime's politics does not mean you're anti-Semitic. That's a quote from her. The reason I wanted Aaron to put that tweet on, on screen from Congresswoman Omar is because I believe that if I, had not re- if I had not provided visual evidence of this, and I just read it out loud, I, I think it's such a straw man caricature on its own a lot of you would not believe that this is true. A lot of you would not believe someone who be- that said those things in public and got elected to the U.S. Congress on Tuesday, but they did. And by the way, um, back 
when she published that tweet, she doubled down and tripled down, defended it right. over and over again. Right. This isn't an isolated thing for her. She's an activist. Okay. And so Heather's perspective was she didn't believe that she viewed this as mere criticism of the Israeli regime's politics uh, and not as anti-Semitism. So I sent this out to our feed uh, at Steve Day Show on Twitter this morning, and I asked them this tweet that Aaron just showed you from Congresswoman uh, Ilan Omar. Is this mere, make up your own mind, is this merely criticizing the politics of Israel, or are these the talking points of neo-Nazis and Islamo-fascist anti-Semites? See, because that's, that's to me, I'm not, th- to me it's about the premise, what the premise we're starting from here. And the premise we're starting from here is that, and the language she's using, this isn't even social justice warrior language. Nope. Like Israel's occupying Palestine. Like you'll get on a college campus of, you know, white liberals, in, or maybe not even just liberals, but hard leftists in America. I mean, she is, um, she's, she's invoking the will of Allah yes. in an imprecatory way. Yes, this is a theological statement. Yes, that's exactly what it is. She's not saying Israeli's government has hypnotized the world. Yes, Help she, them see the evil doings of the Israeli government and Bibi Netanyahu. Yes. She wants her, her, her belief in who God is to act in a way. She wants, the, she wants her, the, the hand of her sovereign God to intervene into human history, to oppose the nation of Israel. To me, we're beyond, I disagree with Israel's policies. This is the language of neo, this, well, that, Allah wouldn't be the language of neo-Nazis, but it would certainly be the language of Islamo-fascists all over the Middle East. The neo-Nazis would agree that uh, the Jews have, uh, quote, uh, um, hypnotized the world. They just wouldn't ask for Allah to intervene, <laughs> right? But she is. She's asking for God to, to in, a, in a way, smite back at the Jewish people. She's. To interject here, I just want to give her credit, though. She's being incredibly consistent yes. with her belief system. Yeah, she is. So, do you guys view this as mere political criticism of Israel, as Heather did? And you should know, we did invite Heather to come on today to have, have, have this conversation directly, and she just, short notice, could not make it work. So, but this isn't, again, about Steve and Heather. That's why the whole other part of the conversation this comes from, I'm not even going to bring it up right now. It's not about the personalities. It's about the principles at stake. Could we be misreading this? Could this just be legitimate political criticism of Israel? Because I don't see it that way at all. I see somebody invoking a theological outcome. So right away, there's a religious argument here. Invoking a theological outcome or a theological action to, to create the political outcome they want. And, and you want the theological action because you're against the religion of the, of, 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 that, is, that is hypnotizing, in this case, as you call it, hypnotizing the world. And so you would like the, what you would call the true religion. If you thought Judaism was the true religion or represented a true religion— you wouldn't do people accuse folks that are that are that are that tell the truth of hypnotizing people with it. No. Who do we accuse of hypnotizing people? People telling the truth or people we think are peddling lies? Who? Peddling lies. Peddling lies. So if, you would only want Allah 
to unhypnotize the people if you believe Judaism is a false religion. So right away, to some degree, you're anti, you're anti this. Now, I don't think it's anti-Semitic to believe Judaism is a false religion. Meaning if you are a Muslim or a Hindu, I don't think you're an, I don't think it's Christ, it's bigotry because you're anti my Christian viewpoint or anti a Judeo-Christian viewpoint. I'm anti an Islamic religious viewpoint. I don't believe Allah is God. I don't believe the Quran is true. I, I, I don't believe Muhammad was a prophet. I don't. If I did believe those things, what would I be? Muslim. I'm Muslim. Like if, if you're Jewish and you don't believe Jesus, well, if you're a non-Messianic Jew and you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, you might have what I would consider an anti-Christian view, but that's a, that's a disagreement that doesn't require bigotry. We have a fundamental religious argument. You see the distinction I'm trying to draw? Bigotry crosses over into when this becomes grounds for me to now treat you as a second-class citizen and less than human. That's important here. Yes. All right. Do you believe that what she's advocating would lead to that outcome, or does she merely believe Judaism is a false religion? Because I believe Islam is a false religion. If I believed Islam was true, I'd be a Muslim. I don't believe it's true. I think it's false. That's why I'm not a Muslim. But... I'm not a, but even though I might be anti-Islam in my religious views, I don't believe that my belief that Islam is a false religion should be then, therefore, the government treats people who have a different view of Islam than I do as second-class citizens. This is an important distinction. This is the difference between a pluralistic society and freedom of religion and tyranny is what I'm trying to lay out here. We have to have some room where there's a legitimate religious disagreement. There needs to be room for conscience, and not just the conscience you or I like, but even consciences we don't like. There's no room for that in Islam, though. Well, traditionally, there has not been throughout the history of Islam. This is true. I was, I was, that's why I was ecstatic to see al-Sisi in Egypt yesterday bragging about the fact they're seeing a growth in the creation of synagogues and Christian churches in Egypt since he took over. And he said, the reason we're seeing this is because I believe there ought to be the freedom to worship, even if it's worship I don't agree with. I'm not offended that General Assisi doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah and doesn't believe that Isaac was who was taken to the Mount of Amariah, not Ishmael. I'm not offended at that. I don't agree with him, and I will happily debate those points with him until Jesus returns. But unless General Assisi in Egypt says, because you believe those things, even if you've done nothing nefarious with those beliefs, I will treat you as a second-class citizen. Well, now we have a problem. So, does Elon Omar, Omar just believe Judaism is a false religion? We all agree she has the right to believe that, right? Sure, yeah. And that doesn't honestly instantly make her a bigot, right? We right. agree. We, right. Do you believe all of our conservative Jewish listeners and viewers right now that don't believe Yeshua of Nazareth is Messiah? Do we view them as bigots? We we have one on our show every week. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So opposition isn't bigotry. This is important disagreement, even vehement, fundamental disagreement, isn't bigotry. Opposition isn't bigotry. My using the coercive power of government to persecute you because of our opposition, now that, that's bigotry. That's the difference between e pluribus unum and tyranny. And so the question really here with Ilan Omar is, What's the intent behind this? 
is the intent behind this to spread Islam that she believes is the true religion yes. in order to expose Judaism that she believes is a sham. If, if that's all that it is, then we just disagree. Or is, or is the intent to say, because of you believe what I think is a sham, we can now treat you as less than human. That's the question. That's what anti-Semitism is. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... I'm probably going to have a fat wall put on me. And so, I mean, and if I'm based on your understanding of Islam, Steve, go ahead and, and uh, push back. And I know you will. But I, I would say in this particular circumstance, uh, you know, anti means against Semite uh, in this context basically means Jews. I know there's a tribe of Shem. Shem that for people yes. to know what this stuff means, that's, yeah. what, that's what the term so, comes from. And against that. Um, in the Islamic worldview. So in this particular circumstance, Steve, if this were in this particular cir- circumstance, there are one of two options. Either she's not really um, she's not really a, a Muslim or she is an anti-Semite. Because I believe pretty clear in the Islamic worldview, if you do not believe or subscribe to the notion of uh, the way that God is depicted in the Quran, what are you? You're Kefir. You're an infidel. And every single Muslim, as I'm aware, uh, is called to a jihad or personal struggle to spread Islam against the enemies of Islam. Um, so by that definition, under an Islamic worldview, under a purely Islamic worldview, aren't you by ne- de- definition and implicitly anti-anything that's not Islam? Because of your call to spread Islam against the enemies of Islam, whereas in the Christian worldview, whether or not you're a Jew or a Gentile, um, you are, you have equal worth because you are a creation of God. I mean, it's in the New Testament uh, to the Jews first, and then the Gentiles. That's what the gospel was intended for. This is a fundamental a fundamental disparity between a traditional Islamic worldview, or as as it has been understood for centuries. By many, many, and I know not other, not, there are some different interpretations in different sects. There are tons of those, hundreds. Uh, but that is, I think, what we're seeing here, because I think this is a traditional, what we're seeing here is a traditional view of Israel from the Islamic worldview. Either that, the, um, could just be coincidence, could just be coincidence that they're just using the talking points of a, a traditional anti Semitic view of Israel by an Islamic worldview, or She's just not. She's just not a very good Muslim. Either, either it's anti-Semitism or she's just not a good Muslim. Well, what you are articulating has historically been the way Islam has governed when it is great when it has gained hegemony in any culture. That and and let's not get on our high horse here. We have struggled with this oh, within yeah. Christendom. That's where yeah. Inquisitions and other things came from. Um, you know, we spent the next century or so after the Reformation slaughtering each other. Um, but that's not what an Orthodox Christian worldview and what I'm uh, trying to articulate. Uh, yes. And, just, and I'm glad you're bringing but that we up. But we had because a reform. Our history, yeah, our history is not just uh, spotless and pure yes. either, but I'm trying to articulate an Orthodox worldview of both sides. Yes, but we had a reform. And you know, Todd referenced the 12 days of Christmas the other day. Do you guys know the story? I know you probably know it, but do you know the story of where that came from? Correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but the 12 days of Christmas are references to uh, our sacramental references spoken in code that Catholics were sharing with each other while they were imprisoned by Protestant jailers. 
and told that they that their Marianism was a false religion. And so didn't they come up with these lyrics as essentially weren't they code for the for the maintaining of the faith of the of the catechism? I, I knew that I knew that loosely, but you already said some details that I wasn't familiar with. I so. think that's the story behind the song. All right. There's a movie coming out soon. I'm trying to remember. There's a major star in it, Mary Queen of Scots. What, you know, where where'd we get the term Bloody Mary from? They just made that drink up out of nowhere. Where'd we get that from? Mary Queen of Mary Scots. Queen of Scots. I mean, when John Knox, the Scottish reformer, he would literally hand people a sword. I don't know. You know, they didn't have orientation packages at Protestant churches in the in the 16th century. But like when you when you were John Knox's church man, they gave you a sword. Because if Mary, 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 Queen Mary's agents caught you going to church on a Sunday, they were liable to just massacre you right there. So we have a checkered history with some of this as well. The, it, the difference, though, is Chris, Christianity's teachings presented the possibility that it could rectify, that it can rectify itself. It's similar to our American Constitution. The American people are not morally better than people in other countries have been. We just created a system of government that allows us to right our wrongs when we're wrong, okay? That's what Christianity has provided. It has gone through one massive re- reformation, but other schisms, disagreements, debates that were, all, that were all at some point in time a course correction. Islam hasn't really had that. It's had counter-revolutions. You know, Muhammad left no descendant, and so these two warring tribes are merged right away. We know them today as Sunnis and Shias, and they have essentially been at war with one another over who has hegemony, who is who is the true caliphate for the last 1,300 years. Um, Zudi Jasser is somebody, I think he's even on the blaze here. Is he not, I believe? Who is that? Uh, he's the Islam. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he, he would make these arguments better than me. Mm. The question, but what you said, Aaron, whether, it's, the, whether it's, it's a true Quranic view is irrelevant because it's the historical view that the world has been shown when Islam has traditionally gotten hegemony over a culture. And I think what Dr. Jasser is arguing is there needs to be a reform within Islam to have what is, an, what is a hermeneutic for how we live with the, with the rest of the world in a pluralistic world. These are the debates we've had for you know, hundreds of years ago within Christendom. All right. Because we have gone, we've been tempted to go down some of these exact same roads. And that's the question. There, if you believe Jesus is not the Messiah and Allah is God and Christians are polytheists, I don't believe you're anti-Christian any more than I'm not against you as a person because I think the Quran is false. And I could do whole shows about why that I believe that. But when you use your belief that I'm a polytheist to mean I, because I'm a Trinitarian, I can be treated as a second-class citizen, now we're into oppression. And it works the other way as round, the other way as well. And that's that's really what we're asking about Congresswoman Omar. Does she just think Judaism is a false religion? Or because she thinks Judaism is a false religion, she believes that the Jews should be treated thusly. That's the difference between opposition and bigotry. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.